Hi, this is Matt George, host of the Locked on Kings podcast. In just a couple seconds here, I'm going to be addressing something, an issue that took place last night between Russell Westbrook and a fan at the Oklahoma City Thunder versus Utah Jazz game. This has nothing to do with the Sacramento Kings, but it does have political undertones, and it has also nothing to do or very little to do with the game of basketball. For those who are not interested in that, I encourage you to skip forward to about the eight to eight and a half minute mark for the actual start of the Locked on Kings podcast, where we'll discuss the Kings' loss to the Washington Wizards last night, amongst many other things. Thank you. Last night at the Oklahoma City Thunder versus Utah Jazz game in Utah, a video went viral of OKC star Russell Westbrook screaming and yelling at a fan saying things like, quote, I will F you up, you and your wife, I swear to God. Now, I never, ever, ever condone violence against a woman in any means, and Russell Westbrook was blatantly in the wrong there. However, now lots of information has come out about the fan he was going at and what the fan was saying that makes me lean more on the side of Russell Westbrook in this entire situation. Actually, not just lean more on the side of Russell Westbrook. I am 100% behind Russell Westbrook here. The NBA needs to be 100% behind their player, especially after all the information that came out. And after this investigation is complete, which it should be almost done by now, the writing is on the wall. This fan, Shane Keisel, that was yelling at Russell Westbrook, needs to be banned from NBA arenas. Just because you are a fan in the NBA and you pay money to sit close to the bench or sit courtside, it doesn't mean you have the right to yell anything racist, derogatory, or profanity-laced at players. And this is exactly what happened, exactly what took place. Now, Mr. Keisel, the great guy that he is, went on uh, and did an on-camera interview following the game claiming that he and Russ were going back and forth and they were having a good time and they were even smiling and laughing at one another. And then he made a comment about Russell Westbrook needing to ice his knees and that's when Russell completely started screaming and yelling and then brought his wife into it when it was completely... Completely not important. The wife wasn't involved uh, in any way. She was just sitting down, minding her own business, watching the game. And that's when Russell Westbrook went after his wife. Completely playing the victim card. And now all the information has surfaced suggesting that none of that was true whatsoever. Russell Westbrook shares his side of the story saying what he heard was the fans saying, get on your knees where you belong. Now Raymond Felton. And Patrick Patterson, who were sitting next to Russell Westbrook, confirmed all that information. And on top of that, we have a fan that tweeted out, sitting a couple rows behind Keisel, that Keisel was using profanity, that indeed did yell, get on your knees, basically confirming everything that Westbrook and Patterson and Raymond Felton had to say. Also, tweets have now surfaced from months ago from Keisel's account that he hurriedly went to delete once people got wind of this and once he decided to make his face and his name public with this entire situation. And here are two tweets that were found that I tweeted out. And you can see them right now on my account at MattGeorgeKHDK on Twitter. The first one is from February or April 28th, 2018. He said, quote, Westbrook is a piece of classless S. Somebody needs to kick his ass. Hashtag tool. Hashtag poor loser. But that's not the worst one. This is from October 6th of 2018 at the start or just before the start of this season. He said, quote, Russell Westbrook needs to go back where he came from. Hashtag 
M-A-G-A, which of course stands for Make America Great Again. So you see profanity and you see racism. All of what Shane Keisel claims he never said or never was involved with in this altercation. Now, can tweets, of course, be separated from what he was yelling at the game? Absolutely. And I'm not saying that he was screaming, make America great again and anything racist at Russell Westbrook. However, based off of these tweets, based off of what multiple players and fans have said that this guy said, I don't believe for one bit that he just talked about Russell Westbrook icing his knees. I have the privilege of being able to attend every single game at the Golden One Center, and I get the opportunity, really it's a privilege, to sit courtside during warm-ups. And before every single game, the NBA puts cards all over the seats surrounding the the court that are within earshot of players being able to hear. Essentially about the first five to ten rows are covered in these little NBA code of conduct cards, especially around the benches. And these cards say what you can and can't do and say. It's time for the NBA to enforce that rather than punishing the players that are enforcing that for them. The NBA needs to stand behind Russell Westbrook here. Again, I'm not saying what he said about the man's wife threatening to beat up the man's wife is, I'm not saying that that is okay by any means. Also, forgot to mention, the players that uh, did confirm that it wasn't just Kaisel that was yelling these things, it was his wife that was yelling things, including the get on your knees where you belong comment that sparked Russell's response and sparked him yelling and saying the things that he said about that woman. Again, I do not condone violence against a woman by any means, and I'm not saying that part of what Russell Westbrook said is excusable. But what should be even more inexcusable is the fact that play or that players have to deal with consistently and constantly, because I've heard it, anybody that attends games hears it. There's always one or two or three fans that gets tough, that gets a beer in their system, that is separated by hundreds of people and security guards from players, and that thing, and they think just because they paid for the right to buy that ticket that they can say whatever the hell that they want without consequence. If you were to say that to any of these men about their families, about themselves, anything racist, obligatory, anything like that to them, to their face in the street, you would end up in a medical-induced coma because they would kick your ass without hesitation. Just because you are sitting and you are a paid customer at an NBA game gives you no right to talk and speak to players in that way. The NBA needs to clamp down against this guy, make an example of him, and make sure fans know that there is a definitive line. And if you cross that line, the NBA is going to side with the players over you. The players have a right to scream and yell at you and go back at you for the nonsense that you are saying to them. Anybody who is responding to Russell Westbrook telling telling Russell how he should have acted in that situation is completely missing the point. Russell Westbrook is not the problem here. Russell Westbrook was responding to the problem, which was a racist, ignorant, idiotic fan thinking that he could say whatever he wanted just because he bought a ticket near the Oklahoma City Thunder bench. It's time for the NBA to completely stand behind Russell Westbrook here and not endorse any of the things that he said, but to... Make sure that fans know and understand that, again, there is an absolute clear line that you cannot cross. And if you cross that line, there will be serious consequences. I'm disgusted by this. Absolutely disgusted that in 2019, we still have to deal with nonsense and garbage like fans like these thinking that they could say whatever the hell they want to players and blatantly trying to trigger players and get players in trouble because 
players are the ones that have to deal with it. They have to pay the fine. They have to serve the suspension. It's baiting. It's garbage. It's trash, and it needs to be completely removed from fan culture, removed from the NBA, and removed from this world as a whole. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Locked On Kings podcast. This is your daily hub for Sacramento Kings coverage each and every single weekday. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, opinions, highlights, interviews with all the local and national experts, this is the place for you, all centered around your Sacramento Kings, who last night lost to the Washington Wizards 121-115. to It's doom and gloom for many Kings fans. The pessimism is running wild, and while normally my optimism is able to shine through it all. We have some reality to face today that we will discuss on this Locked on Kings podcast. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here on Locked on Kings. I'm from Sports 1140 KHDK. That's the flagship radio station of the Kings in Sacramento. I work there as an on-air host and a multimedia journalist and reporter. We were broadcasting the game as we do every single Kings game every single season here at KHDK. And all of us in the studio were very disappointed with the outcome, as were most everybody in all of Sacramento. The Kings falling to a Washington Wizards team that is in a playoff hunt themselves, which is so ass backwards if you think about it. The fact that the Washington Wizards are currently just four games out or actually three and a half games out of the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, even though they have a 28 and 39 record. Meanwhile, the Sacramento Kings, who have a 33 and 33 record, are four games out of the playoffs in the Western Conference. Just goes to show the imbalance of the conference system, but I'm not here to talk about that. I actually am one of the, the, the few who really likes the conference system, how it works, and unfortunately, things fall this way, and the Kings are most likely this season going to be the bubble team that miss out on the playoffs in the West that would look over to the Eastern Conference and say, I would be at least a sixth or seventh seed over there. It happens to one team or two teams, multiple teams, every single season. This year, unfortunately, it might be the burden for the Kings to bear. But they are in charge of their own destiny still, and there are 16 games remaining. Plenty of time to turn things around, however, not plenty of time to make up significant ground. Like I mentioned, the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder played last night, and the Jazz lost to the Thunder, which means the Jazz have now fallen all the way from the 6th seed to the 8th seed over the last couple of games. They are now the team to catch for the Sacramento Kings, and the Kings play the Utah Jazz one more time in Utah towards the end of the season, just above them. A half a game above them in the seventh seed is the San Antonio Spurs, who have currently won five straight games. They're 6-4 and four over their last 10, and they are within reach of the Sacramento Kings as well. The Kings play them in San Antonio one more time later on this month. So mathematically, of course, this team is not out of it. However, they need to make sure they take care of games that, and, and win games against teams that they know that they are better than. And last night, they knew that they were better than the Washington Wizards, but they certainly didn't play like it. A disappointing loss. They're now 1-1 one one on this four-game road trip, and the two hardest games of the trip are coming up next year. They have a doubleheader on Thursday and Friday between the Boston Celtics, who they've already lost to, and the Philadelphia 76ers, who they did beat in Sacramento 
earlier on this season. 121 to 115, the final score in Washington last night. The Kings got off to a dreadful start offensively. Fortunately for them, they were only down eight points at the end of the first quarter and actually had a lead at halftime after scoring 40 points in the second quarter, but the second half was not good. The Kings, throughout the majority of this game, were just not good. Buddy Hield shot 6-21 of 21 from the field, only had 15 points, including one of nine from three-point range, missing a lot of wide-open jumpers that he's consistently hit all season long, and uh, De'Aaron Fox did everything he could, providing 23 points on 16 shots, also had uh, eight assists and a couple of steals, but he did turn the ball over six times. Bogdan Bogdanovich had maybe his worst game of his career, even though he finished with 13 points, he was a minus 22 of seven from the field, uh, turned the ball over three times, just dribbled the air out of the ball, got into a lot of trouble, and was not nearly as efficient as he normally is on the offensive end of the floor, suggesting that maybe changes to the starting lineup once again need to uh, start coming as Nemanja Bialica did play well off of the bench in his second straight game. 15 points on 5 of 10 shooting, including 3 of 5 from 3-point range. Also had 12 total rebounds for, I believe it's his third double-double of the season. So maybe a change to the starting lineup is coming, but Quite frankly, to put it as bluntly as I can, the Kings massively dropped the ball in this game. The best player that they had to worry about was, of course, Bradley Beal. But Otto Porter was traded earlier on this season. And, of course, no John Wall. He's been out with an injury for quite some time. The Kings once again allowed the other players, though, to hurt them. 17 points from Bobby Portis, 17 points from Sadoransky, 18 points from Jabari Parker off the bench, 11 for Trevor Ariza, 11 for Jeff Green. Inexcusable that the Kings can have that little focus and struggle that much to contain players like, oh, also Sam Decker had 12 points off the bench. If Bradley Beal beats him, puts up 27 points, that's fine. I completely understand that. But you cannot allow double figures from five, six, I'm sorry, six other players not named Bradley Beal that are role players at best in this league, especially when you have the talent that you do. If anything, here's the major positive that I can pull out of this game. Marvin Bagley is essential to the success of this Kings team. The Kings would probably still be in the hunt right now and and, and feeling very good about their chances right now if Marvin Bagley had been healthy and hadn't hurt himself in that Milwaukee Bucks game. I guarantee you they would have two more wins than they do right now had Marvin Bagley been playing, putting them at 35 and 31 on the season. I firmly believe that. The biggest endorsement for Marvin Bagley and his uh, his future for this Kings team uh, and and how important he is to this Kings team is the fact that this team has completely tripped over themselves repeatedly since he has gone down with that injury. They started relying on him heavily, especially with scoring off of the bench. He did have a couple times where he made his way into the starting lineup, which was wishy-washy to say the least. But again, the biggest endorsement I can give for Marvin Bagley is the fact that since his injury, this Kings team has not been the same. And unfortunately, his injury might be the thing that we look at and we point to and say, unfortunately, because of this injury, the Kings are not going to make the playoffs in 2018-2019. Now, that is not Marvin Bagley's fault. And anybody saying that Marvin Bagley is injury prone is quite frankly moronic, to put it bluntly. 
Every single injury that Marvin Bagley has faced this season has been something completely out of the blue that he could not control. The two major injuries, both to his knee, involved plays and, and, and collisions with players with contact that he did not create. It is not his fault by any means. He is not injury prone by any means. And the Kings are suffering without him on the floor. Now, here's the reality, too, and this is something that we talked about a little over a month ago here on the Locked on Kings podcast, and that's the fact that the Kings are no longer taking any teams by surprise like they did earlier on in the season uh, with their speed, their ability to score the basketball, Buddy Heald shooting lights out, De'Aaron Fox's jump from last year to this year. Nobody is surprised now by what the Sacramento Kings are doing because we're on the home stretch of this season. Everybody has a game plan, they know how to attack the Kings, and they know how to exploit the Kings his weaknesses. So now we have to deal with the balance of the Kings addressing those issues and fixing those issues on the fly and still being a young team. And that's the most frustrating part, I think, for fans is because the Kings have been able to weave their way through and be competitive consistently, but there are certain adjustment teams are making uh, against them that they just are not able to overcome yet. And that's okay. That is something that is probably going to take an offseason, if not more, for this team to overcome. Now, again, I'm not punting the season by any means. I'm not saying that the Kings are out of it and will not make the playoffs this season. They still have a chance. They're going to need a lot of help, most of it from themselves, but they are still in it technically. And until they are mathematically eliminated, I will not stop talking about the playoffs. But again, I implore Kings fans, do not put all your eggs in that basket and consider this to be a successful season only if the team makes the playoffs. Where they are at, at 33-33 and at this point in the season, is phenomenal. It's leaps and bounds above where we thought that they would be. Change your goal. Ask for 500 by the end of the season. Ask for the Kings to be at or just above 500 by the season's end, and I promise you, you will most likely be encouraged, and you will see the Kings reach that goal. I believe they will finish the season at or just above 500 based off of the way that they've been playing and based off of the level of competition that they have coming up. Again, after these two games against the Celtics and the 76ers, the Kings return home for a four-game homestand where they have a legitimate chance to win all four of the games. It's against the Chicago Bulls, the Brooklyn Nets, the Dallas Mavericks, and the Phoenix Suns. If they find a way to win these two at the end of the road trip and go 3-1, and one, I'm feeling fantastic because I think the Kings, I'd said the Kings need to go 3-1 and one during this road trip. If they find a way to win one of these two and go 2-2, two and two, you can live with that. If they go 1-3 and three and lose these next two games, then you're not feeling very good. However, a four-game win streak sweeping that homestand, those four games, does keep you alive, and I think this Kings team is very capable of doing that. I asked on yesterday's podcast and got a bunch of responses. Thank you so much to everybody. And you can respond right now if you haven't already at MattGeorgeKHDK on Twitter or email me, mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. But I asked on yesterday's podcast, which out of the three teams, the Clippers, the Spurs, or the uh, Utah Jazz, are you most confident in the Kings catching? And I got a lot of variations. A lot of people now are saying the Utah Jazz. And now that the Utah Jazz have fallen to the eighth seed, they're looking about right. I think we can all agree that it's not going to be the Los Angeles Clippers because they own the uh, tiebreaker over the Sacramento Kings, not to mention the fact that they just refuse to lose. They beat the Boston Celtics big time, put up 140 on the Boston Celtics last night. 
Doc Rivers might be the coach of the year this year just because of what he is doing with that Clippers roster. They will be making the playoffs, and quite frankly, they deserve it, especially after trading away Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley. I also got a lot of responses from fans who said that they don't believe that the Kings will catch anybody in the West, and if that's how you feel, that's okay. I hope you can still find a way to enjoy the remainder of this season and be thankful for the jump that this Kings team has made. If anything, it sets the table for what I believe will be a very fun summer, maybe the most important summer, even more important than last summer for this Kings team, and uh, based off of what we've seen this year, I think it's fair for everybody to expect this team to be in the playoff hunt and in the playoff conversation come next season, barring a monumental collapse, massive injuries, or the franchise shooting themselves in the foot again. We'll just have to wait and see. Last night was absolutely disappointing. I don't blame any fans for being frustrated or angry at the result from this game. But remember, it's all house money. It's all cherry on top. The Kings have already had a monumentally successful season. Just try and enjoy the ride. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first round upsets, or all of the above, MyBookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, MyBookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone. Even you, multiple bracket guy. MyBookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business. And the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours. Bet with the best. Then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash. Deposit with MyBookie today with promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. With MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Some good news, I have all my interviews scheduled for the third fans-only podcast later on this afternoon, which means assuming all the recordings go well and I get everything done and edited in time, I will be able to release the fans-only podcast as soon as tomorrow. I want to try and release it either tomorrow or Thursday before the Boston Celtics game so that we don't have outdated information based off the conversations and the questions that I'm going to be asking uh, these fans later on today. So I'm very excited about that. Definitely look forward to that. That fans only podcast happening here in the next couple of days. I will see you for tomorrow's podcast. If you want to respond to anything that we talked about here on this Locked on Kings podcast, including uh, the stuff that I said at the beginning of the show about Russell Westbrook uh, and the the fan and their their screaming match and the NBA code of contact or conduct and, and how the NBA uh, should deal with that entire situation, feel free to at any time at Matt George KHDK on Twitter or email me mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. I'm always happy to have a conversation with you, although I am warning you if you want to discuss things about the, uh, the Russell Westbrook situation and, and the fan situation and you want to do so in a hostile or negative way or any bit of a, of a trolley way or trying to make a joke out of the situation, I will not meet that very kindly. I will not be okay with it and you might not like the response that you get back. Uh, for all those that just tuned in for the King specifically, I appreciate you very, very much and uh, I thank you uh, for treating this podcast 
as your hub or as a daily home uh, for Kings Conversation and Kings News. I do not take that for granted, and I hope I will have you back tomorrow and in the days to come. Until then, my name is Matt George. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Kings Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.